Alexander Barkov. Another shot for the Cats to win in the seventh round. Barkov, let's go! Hello and welcome back to the Palm Tree Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How are you doing this week, Noah? I'm good, how are you? Uh, not too bad. Very busy week coming up here. Yeah. Um, lots of school stuff to do, so just... But we get a week off after that. Yeah, and then I, well, so, I work that week, so... Well, yeah, so but a week off from school. That's true, so... Yeah, just a big grind to get into that, but um, not too bad, not too bad, um... I watched the XFL this weekend. They debuted yesterday. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting uh, interesting concept. Well, I mean, it's still American football, but with the different rule changes and stuff. Yeah, what'd you, like, what do you think about it overall? Um, so overall, it's like watching the AHL compared to the NHL. Yeah. The 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 skill pool, the the talent pool, um, the quality of the game on the field is drastically lower than the the NFL. As you like, expect. Like, and that's what they obviously and that that's what they try and like I mean it's it was hard to watch at times just because of how bad it was. Yeah, there were some throws but, where it was like I mean there was just not even close. Yeah. And some like balls were just getting dropped and yeah. you were it's kinda like, well I mean I think I would have caught that and I'm Yeah, you can't catch anything. And I can't catch anything, you know? So that was interesting to me, and then the whole, like, it's such a different, like, broadcasting, like, point of view than the NFL. Oh, yeah. Did, sure. did you like how you could hear uh, the coach talk with his players over the over the mic? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know the play calls very well. Yeah, me neither, of course but I'm not. sure for some people that was fun. I mean, yeah. I just I just enjoyed having football on, yeah. which was kind of nice, even though the quality's not as good. Um, some of the rule changes were interesting. The kickoff, I, I like the kickoff. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird, and especially for the punt, it's weird for the punt because they can't... They Kick can't, it out. They can't, you can't pin them. Well, no, they you can't um, cross the line of scrimmage until the ball has passed the line of scrimmage, right? Something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyways, I, I, was, I, I was very interested, and I'll probably watch again next week. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know if I'll have time to watch them today, but it was... The one thing I really liked was that, like, they, they interview all the players, like, on the sidelines during the game. Oh, yeah, the guy just missed a field goal. I thought that was hilarious. The guy just misses the 35-yard field goal, and you're, like, right there with the mic. Like, what happened? Like, I would hate that as a player, man. I, I just, be, uh, yeah, I hate, so as pissed. a player, I'd hate it, but watching it was pretty I, funny. It was, it was very funny to watch. Um, but, yeah, that, that was kind of kind of nice to have some football on. Yeah. Um, two games... For the Panthers, since uh, we were last on, both losses. Um, and those are some big points. Obviously, they're two tough opponents, no doubt. Um, the Vegas game was bad. Um, oh, yeah, that was... Uh, oof. You know, like I was, I was watching the game, and there was a couple, a couple moments where they had some momentum, but there was just nothing sustained throughout the game. Yeah. Um, it was it was like it was tough to watch. Yeah, like you you saw the first period, and I thought they played well in the, the first period. They obviously had some some power plays, and that helps. Um, oh, you played at the goalie interference. Challenge. Yeah, I mean, it was a close game up until the third period. Yeah, you, you could feel it though in the second. The Vegas was kind of turning it yeah. up. Yeah, 
And when a team like Vegas does that, like I, I, I like, mean, I, and you can see that in the shots on goal, seventeen to nine in the second period for Vegas, and then fifteen to three in the third period. Florida yeah. only got three shots on goal during that third period. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of just you saw Vegas. They just kind of took it to another level, and the Panthers couldn't match it. And that, like Vegas, is a really good team. Obviously, um, you know they're missing a couple guys. They didn't have William Carlson, right? That's a big loss for them. Um, but yeah, they're just like they're a solid team. Um, they play hard. You knew it was going to be a tough game going in. Um, Bobrovsky got pulled, but I didn't really think you know yeah. a lot of that game's on him. A lot of it's the way guys are playing in front of him. Uh, And Mark Stone had such an unbelievable game for Vegas. He was all over it. I mean, what are you going to do? Obviously, the the big point, like Bobrovsky, like overall, I don't think he played very, you know, he didn't play that poorly. Yeah. But the Shea Theodore goal, shorthanded, like he's got to have that. Yeah. Um, He's got to make that save. He doesn't. Um, And then Vegas kind of piles on for there. What was interesting in this game was that, aside from the loss, because, you know, that, that is what it is. Keith Yandel took a face-off. Oh, did he? Yeah, at the end of the first period, there was like a second left on the clock, and there was an ozone draw, and Keith Yandel was the one who took it to try and shoot it in. So, he's 0 for 1. I don't know if that's his first face-off attempt in his career, but if it is, he's 0 for 1. Yeah. Um, that was just kind of something different. I mean, in th- that game was kind of... Um, the undertone of that game was the fact that Florida had, what, three players that were not playing due to injury or uh, illness. Barkov was out for a third consecutive game. Boyle was out. And Matheson was was uh, sick. And what seems to be like a whole like flu bug going around the NHL right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, losing, losing Barkov is obviously huge. Yeah. Um, but then you add on top of that... Um, uh, Matheson and Boyle kind of kind of hurts. Sorry, not Matheson. Weger, Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, Weger didn't play. Yeah. Matheson Sorry. played. He actually played pretty decent. On yeah, that. Um, that was a real solid game for him. And no, aside from uh, some of the goals against, but obviously a tough one to lose and to lose by a wide margin. And then you go into Pittsburgh uh, against Pittsburgh, and and then you you get you get Barkov back. Right, that that was the big thing about the Pittsburgh game and. Um, he really came out, and he was the most used forward up there. Which so, I was surprised. You know, like, like usually you try yeah. to ease guys in. I think that kind of just speaks to the desperation of this team. That you know they need their guys to uh, to play, and they need Barkov at the top of his game, and they need to play in lots of minutes. Yeah. Um, if they're gonna make a push here, um, but it, it just wasn't enough against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that that's kind of tough. Um, and then looking forward here, um, you know, the next few games, obviously Florida's sitting out of a playoff spot right now, Toronto picking up three points this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, and really kind of not worst case scenario, but that Montreal-Toronto game going to overtime and having both teams gain points in that game was not very favorable for no, that's the thing. Is you look at the standings now, like Montreal is making a bit of a push with a couple wins now, um, and that applies a bit of pressure. And then you look ahead, like the Panthers, their next three games, two of those games are against the Philadelphia Flyers 
I mean, Flyers who've been like up and down, they they get um, they get shut out by New Jersey, what five nothing on. Well, yeah, Friday, and, and then, then and, well, what was the final score last night? I want to say it was like seven two or seven one. Yeah, or they like they crushed. They them. crushed seven. Washington. So they're like, they, and I mean, props to uh, Claude Giroux for eight hundred eight eight hundredth career point, but. You go in, you lose five nothing to New Jersey, and then you go and beat Washington seven two. Like, there's they're they're one of those teams where it's like on any given night they could win or lose, and I wouldn't be overly surprised. Um, but they're right in the mix. I believe they're in the wild card spot right uh, now. Yes. So you're Florida, and you're looking at that. Um, those two games are huge for them. Um, like as as much like you have to win those games, yeah. at least one of them. Uh, try not to give the Flyers a, a bunch of points there. Try and make a push. The Devils keep, keep keep in mind that Toronto's sitting at sixty six points, and Florida has two games on hand on Toronto. Yeah, so it it feels as if like the well definitely the easier spot is third in the Atlantic versus a wild card spot. Yeah, right. So. It, as long as they perform better than Toronto, Toronto has been kind of wobbly lately. Um, they almost lost against Anaheim, and they actually lost in overtime against Montreal, which not not a great look for that Toronto team. But yeah, I mean, especially after bringing in Jack Campbell and um, Kyle Clifford, who I didn't think were going to be impact players, but Campbell was able to stand on his own definitely. Yeah, I mean, you look at the standings now, and it's. If- if Toronto puts, you know, some wins together and, you know, solidifies that third divisional spot, then you're looking at the wild cards. Uh, I mean, the teams you're looking at are the Islanders, the Hurricanes, um, the Flyers, obviously, and the Blue Jackets. And so when you got two games coming up against the Flyers, you absolutely have, like, those are four-point games for them mm-hmm. based on the way the standings mm-hmm. have worked out. You need to win those games, um, and preferably in regulation. Um, so I'm looking, you know, for the Panthers, they'll come out. I think they'll be ready, um, against the Flyers. Yeah. Um, I think if they can get lots of shots on the Flyers goaltending has been kind of up and down this year. Um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. And then obviously the game against New Jersey, that's gotta be a, a win there. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, in New Jersey, I don't want to say anything wrong, but like they're they just want they just got back to back shutout wins. Yeah, and this thing this is what so eight so past two games they won eight nothing. Jack Hughes has one assist. Yeah, I'm not going well in, uh, for that for that kid in uh, in New Jersey. No, and I think that's just. A part of it, and like things aren't going that great for Capo Caco either in New York. Yeah, and I think you know that just that just goes to like the expectation that's there nowadays that guys that are drafted that high have to be impact players right away. It's yeah, not going to happen a lot of the time. Yeah, um, and, that, and I I think that this is definitely going to hurt considering next year's first all draft pick is going to be Alexi Lafreniere, and I fully expect him to have a massive impact. Yeah, on on whichever team he goes to. Um, that being said, you can't say that about Jack Hughes. 
No, and you look, like even even Nico Heischer was he was okay in his his rookie year. He was, I think Nico Heischer was looking better than Jack Hughes is right now in his first year. Probably like and like when you watch Jack Hughes, like there's a lot of things. He does, Jack Hughes seems like a much more offensive guy than Nico Heischer, who's much more two way. Yeah, and Nico Heischer always will be probably a better two way player. But Jack Hughes, like there are flashes throughout games where he does look very good, even if it doesn't result in in points and stuff yeah. like that. So there are flashes of it. I think he's going to be a good player for a, a long time. Um, but it's just not. It's still early for him. Yeah, it's a it's a much slower start. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you, th- those next three games, you know, those are absolutely crucial for the Panthers. Um, yeah. And now you, we kind of talked about it earlier, um, just a little bit. The Toronto Maple Leafs obviously made a big move between our last uh, episode. They go out and grab Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford. Clifford. Um, to kind of fill some holes in their roster. Um, what do you think of the moves? And do you think it's going to, you know, affect Florida to maybe react and try to make a move here? Um, so from what I've heard on Florida, it's, um, they're very interested in Alec Martinez. He yeah. seems like the guy they're, they're going for. Um, I think that Toronto... They had such a specific need to be fulfilled in in such a. Uh, they needed a, a very quick fix, and that's what pushed them to getting to making that that trade. Uh, I don't think it sparks anything around the league just because of the nature of the move, and it was just to. Well, I'm talking. I'm talking about Florida specifically in a team that's competing with Toronto, and you see Toronto. And make some moves that they, they move. They move the needle a little bit for sure. I, I don't know how much better that moves makes makes the Leafs though. Well, you right? talk about Freddie Anderson's health, right? Yeah, and uh, I think I wouldn't be like I if I were Florida, I wouldn't be like scrambling to make a move. Yeah, I, I would be. I would be very patient because I don't think that um, the move that Toronto made makes them that much better that you have to uh, act. You, in my opinion, it's just... It's yeah, well, here's the thing. is I look at Jack Hambley comes in, he's going to play games until Freddie's Freddy's ready, and then he's going to be your backup. I think Jack Hamble's a very competent goalie in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's shown that over the last three or so years. Um, and when you look at the way Toronto's backups have played, they've been terrible this year. Kaskasu uh, and Hutchinson, so, so there's bad. a lot of lot of games where their backups have cost them points, and now you're looking at a guy who he might be able to get them a win in those situations, um, and so you know that's extra points for Toronto, does make them better. Kyle Clifford gives them a different dimension up front, not going to move the needle much offensively, um, but if I'm Florida and I'm looking at that and it's so close, you know I might be, if I was going to make a move, I might want to make it sooner. Um, yeah, and I think you know you're looking at Alec Martinez for that. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they do anything. Um, I think you know for them, I think it's very important they make the playoffs at this point. I mean, uh, there's no long-term injuries on the Florida Panthers roster either, right? No. So you're kind of blessed with that at the same time yeah. that you don't have to fill a need because of injury. So, that's why I think that you need to take it a little easier. 
because I don't think that there's necessarily an advantage to making a move sooner rather than later. But what if you make a move? What if you don't make a move? Guy gets hurt. Now teams know you need a guy. Price goes up. Do you like you better off making a move? Will you have? Do you think it'll it'll go up that much? I mean, I think it would. I think it absolutely yeah. would. If yeah, I mean, if you if if Florida came, if you were another team and Florida came to you and said we need a D, we just had, and I hope this isn't gonna happen. Like we said, Aaron Eckblad go down, right? Well, team says, well, you clearly need a defenseman right now with him out, so the price goes up. How much it goes up, I don't know, I, but it certainly goes up. Yeah. Right? That would just be the nature of negotiations. You'd have to be dumb to not ask for more when your team's more desperate. So if I was like if I was Florida, I would try to make it make a move as soon as possible. Um, granted, see how the price goes. Then there's the other side. If no one gets hurt and you get closer to the deadline and now teams are kind of you know, trying to get players out the door that they can and get whatever they can for them, then the price might drop a bit. So you're kind of weighing that. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, the longer you can have a guy around on your team that's going to help you, the better. And with how tight everything is in the standings, I would probably make a move, you know, before the deadline comes, and it's coming pretty quick. Yeah, but I don't think that... And I, I think that that's... I think... I don't think the price is going to go up that much because if you're L.A. in this scenario, and we're talking about Alec Martinez to the Panthers, L.A. definitely think there's definitely an advantage for L.A. to hold out as long as possible. In case, yeah. as, as you said, in case there's an injury on the Panthers, or if there's another team that gets an injury and then becomes a possible, like, um contender for Martinez is there there's seems to be very little advantage for Los Angeles in trading earlier rather than later it's, so it's it's kind of but you're, it's going to be it's going to be up to it's going to be up to the two teams to find that middle ground and uh if if there's a if there's a move to to be made it's going to be made and even even with the price aside, like the you want to have that guy for longer if he makes you better, if he can move the needle and true. help your team win some games you might not win. Um, and hey, I mean Martinez doesn't even have to change his wardrobe if he comes over to Florida. That's true. Same, a little more, a little more humid, I think. Ex- exactly, same weather. Yeah, um, it's just it'll it'll be interesting to see if they do it could and it could be other guys too like there's Brendan Dill and there's yeah, a lot of names out there's there. a lot there's a lot going on especially considering there's a now rumors that well rumors well not rumors it's facts that um, the Rangers and Kreider are going to look at an extension yeah how deep those talks are going to go still undetermined but it's. You know, it's there's always that possibility, and that Kreider's the first one on that list. Yeah, I mean, when he's on, like we talk about Chris Kreider, but he's not really someone that fits uh, no. Florida's needs. They don't need, uh, you know, there are other areas of focus for sure. Um, we'll talk about the we talked about the first ten on the trade bait list last time. We'll get to the next uh, ten in a bit, but we want to bring up um, suspension out of from the Boston yeah. Bruins. You see uh, a hit? I did see the hit. Yeah, not a great hit. No, nah, not a good. But hit. it's interesting. There was a very similar hit. I don't know if it was that game or the game before, where a Bruins player, I think it was McAvoy, also got hit in the head 
on a similar play, and I think it was only a two-minute call. Mm. Um, I, I I wasn't watching the game. Did did he get a penalty on the play? Um, I I was I only tuned in later. I was watching the XFL, so I didn't I didn't see that. I only watched the third of that game. But there was yeah there was a similar play with Charlie McAvoy where he got hit. Very similar. I thought should have been a suspendable play as well. Because they gave him two games right away. Yeah. Right? He gets two games, no history, nothing. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to go try and figure out if he... Um, got penalized on that? If he got penalized on the play. Because in my opinion, that changes everything. Well, it depends on what the penalty is, it, right? Well, of course. Like If, if it's two minutes... Then that's nothing to me. But if you got a match penalty, then I'd and yeah, right. And then it's different. Um, All right, let's see. He got a match penalty. So not so it, and it, at the end of the first period. So yeah, so you're looking at a two and a something game suspension. It's two two uh, two point two and two thirds. Yeah, and I've been finding this year when the Department of Player Safety's been handing out suspensions and stuff like that. They've handed out much harsher punishments than in the past, but there's also a lot of times where they're not handing out any punishment. Yeah, and you want to know what? I'll I'll bet you that Jeremy Lozon doesn't do that again. Well, and that's part of it too. And I think we saw that with the Farabee suspension earlier. Is when you have a young player with no history, if you hand out a harsher suspension, then they won't do it later in their careers. Yeah. Um, at least that's the thinking. Um, as opposed to someone who has a history where they'll probably do it either way, right? Mm-hmm. So you can see they're kind of cracking down on that. Um, obviously not a great hit. Obviously. Obviously. Um, so, yeah, he'll be gone for the next two. Um, doesn't really impact the Panthers that much. No. But, um, just kind of stuff from around the league. Yeah. Um, now getting into it here, uh, we have... Uh, we'll move to the trade bait list from TSN. And we're looking at number 11 now, Matt Dumba. Uh, he has three years left on his contract. It's $6 million a year. Yeah. I know uh, who... Carolina might be interested. Toronto, of course, just because he's a D. He's a right D especially. Um, I don't see him getting moved, though. I feel as if it's been like at least a year now of like trade talks surrounding Matt Dumba. Well, and it, it's he's an interesting player because when he's at his peak, he's a physically dominant player. He can put up points. He's got a great shot. Um, but he has had some injuries over the last little bit that have kind of limited mm-hmm. his effectiveness. Um, my kind of my guess is Minnesota holds on to him. Yeah, and I think they would be smart to do that. I don't think. I think guys like Matt Dumba are hard to find around the league. You don't see them get traded that often. Yeah. Um, so I would hold on to him unless somebody's going to offer you a really nice package for him. I'm probably holding on to Matt Dumba. He, because he, he's what he's he's twenty five. Like, but what would you say his like role is within a team? Second D. He's he's a, to me he's a first top. pairing or second pairing. You know he's. I think you could, I think like you could make an argument for either, but then he's also a guy who can play on your power play. Yeah, with the shot that he has. So if I was if I was Minnesota, I I wouldn't be trading Matt Dumba, but um, you never know with Minnesota they could do with anything. Yeah. Um. So we'll follow that, and obviously the term obviously bumps up the price too because you're looking at him and you're not looking at mm-hmm. a rental. 
Um, but Minnesota's a team where it's like they're never quite giving up, but they're never quite good enough either. Yeah. Um, but even if they were going to rebuild, I think Matt Dumb is a guy I would love to keep just with the age yeah. and, and ability that he has. He, he is a... in. He 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 does a lot off the ice, right? He has like a big social media. Yeah, he's pretty big into that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh yeah, I have friends who went to school with him in Calgary. Yeah? Yeah, he went to the edge. Um they know him say he's a great guy. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming that's he's true. He's big into fashion or something, I think. Um anyways. Um next on the list, number twelve, Andre Kasha, uh from Anaheim. Um, he's an interesting, interesting situation. Interesting. He was a player like a lot of. Th- he I still mean, has a year left after this season. At very reasonable, two point six million. Yeah. Um, he's a guy. Uh, a lot of people really high on him coming into this year. Thought he would kind of have that breakout campaign. Um, after the season he had last year, um, hasn't really worked out that way. There's been some injuries. Um, Anaheim has not been that great overall. Yeah, and uh, he, you know he's RFA after. His contract expires. It's. I don't think he gets traded, just because of how much like potential he can he he can be for this Ducks team moving forward. I mean, yeah. he's probably he's one of those he's guys one of their who, your younger guys who can like who's going to be able to uh, step up and have a much more veteran role in a in a few years. Yeah. If, I mean, if I was another team, I would absolutely look at, you know, trying to get Andre Kasha. Yeah, 100%. Because he's, you know, a top six winger. You know, he's got a good shot. And he's got another year left on his deal. So, if, you know, I, I'd be comfortable giving up a decent amount for a guy like Andre Kasha. But at this point, I don't see the Ducks trading him. No. Um, I mean, I think that's a guy, if you're, you know, they're obviously going into a rebuild here. That's a guy I would want around. Um I mean, and what's interesting is it seems like Getzlaff is not going anywhere. No. Like, he's staying in Anaheim for... His career. His career. So, it's going to be interesting to see, because his contract is up after next season. Yeah. So, I interesting stuff. Um, next on our list here, number 13, we got Dylan DeMello. Right, D, Ottawa. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I thought Toronto might be interested in. Yeah, I mean... Especially considering that Toronto and Ottawa have, what, a two, lot of trades, two trades in the past uh, season or so? Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of guys that have switched A teams. lot of guys going back and forth from there, so I wonder if Toronto might not be interested in that, because very cheap, affordable right D. Shut yeah, down, it's a shutdown guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a rental D, I mean, there's a lot to like about Dylan DeMello. The cap hit, um, his underlying numbers are really good. He can shut it down. He's a good skater. Um, but does Ottawa want to keep him? And that's the question because there's a lot of guys, like there's a lot of Ottawa players on this list. First of all, obviously because <laughs> they're terrible. But um, you know, it's a lot of UFA's too, right? And you go into next year, there's a lot of guys that are going to need to get paid, like. Dylan Lamella is probably going to get a sizable rage, probably around that four million mark. Yeah. Um, and is Ottawa going to be willing to spend that on all these guys? And um, you know, if if they if they if they if they're willing to pay Dylan Lamella, um, 
then you keep him. I would say. Yeah. As yeah, as a guy with some experience, but he's not that old. He he's twenty six. Yeah, like you know, it's right. So you're looking at a guy who can you know guide some of the younger defensemen they have. Um, he's a really good player, but if someone's going to give you a lot and you don't want to pay him what he deserves uh, at the end of this year, and he is a UFA too, he could just walk. Um, but and I think that um, Ottawa has like a decent. Um, pool of young D in the AHL right now, or um, I know they have Lassie Thompson overseas right now. Yeah, they have Lassie Thompson, they have Brandstrom, Brandstrom. they have Shabbat in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, Maxime Lajoie, who had a very good start of the season last season. Yeah, went to high school with Max. Not sure what's going on with him. Um, And, you know, so there's always that that Ottawa can fall back on if they do decide to trade DeMello. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see what they decide to do because they also have to make a decision on, on Pajot, right? Yeah, and, and you could all, like, they could all, because these guys are UFAs, they could trade them for assets and then try to re-sign I, them back at the end. I, I just realized, Ottawa has a lot of UFAs next season. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot. Michael Bodker. Not coming back. Vladislav Nemesnikov. Another trade. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him. Um... Chris Tierney is RFA. Connor Brown is RFA. Anthony Duclair is RFA. Excited to see what Duclair's next contract is going to be, considering his the year that he's had massive slump that he's had since the All Star game. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, Ottawa's team. I mean, Tyler Ennis uh, and Scott Sabrin. I I don't think anything's happening with Scott Sabrin. But and then on D, you look at. So Ron Hainsey's UFA after the season, but I think it's he's on his way out for sure. Yeah, you got Boro, Borowiecki, and Demello and Cody Golubov. Yeah, I so mean, I, Ottawa's got a lot to figure out. Also, add on to that the fact that Craig Anderson's contract is up. Yeah, it's um yeah they're they're definitely one of the more interesting teams to watch because they're definitely out of it. And that's the thing too is if you sell off Demello. And, uh, let's say Peugeot, even though you probably like those guys and would probably want to keep them around to help some of the younger guys, you know, you're looking at it now and, you know, that just bumps you further down the standings and gets you that much better at draft pick. Um, Dylan DeMel, also a guy who would be a good fit for the Panthers. Yep. Um, in terms of what he can bring a shutdown D who can skate. Um, I think Joel Quenville would love to have a guy like that, um, could just make them that much deeper on defense, um, but I honestly have no idea what 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 uh what Ottawa's thinking with their yeah. guys. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch. Um, next up, fourteen, Mikhail Granlund. Uh, he's UFA at the end of the at season. Five point seven five. That's what's gonna hurt. It's a big contract to take on. At the deadline like that, if you're not exchanging assets, and I think I think what's gonna I think what ends up happening is is interesting. Na- Grant, Nashville Nashville will probably um, eat up a bit of that salary. I would they would, assume. I think they would have to. They would have to. But you, you know who I would like to see acquire him, and I think who can would be um, Colorado Avalanche. They have a lot of cap space. They they can afford to make such a move, but I mean, do they need that? Do they need to make that move? 
Yeah, and like I, you know, it's just, I haven't watched like Mikhail Granlund. I knew he was having not the best year. Um, I watched him last night against the Oilers, and you know, he, he there were some moments he was, you know, he looked really good out there. Um, and so yeah, I think you know Nashville can eat some cap and find a fit somewhere. Um, because I, I I don't see him staying in Nashville beyond this year. Yeah, and that's the other thing too, like looking at uh the NHL standings and where Nashville is. Um, you know, are they looking to sell guys off? Are they giving up? Or are they going to try and stay in the hunt? Um, it'll be interesting. Um, and you look at Mikhail Granlin, and that's a guy where you could say, you know, I, I think, yeah, the fit's not there in, in Nashville. Um, it, has, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. But if there's a way they can make maybe a hockey deal almost where they can get you know, an asset back that fits better. Yeah. And so it still keeps them competitive, right? As something that works out for both teams. Um, what What do you think ends up happening with him? Uh, I think he gets... I, I think that Nashville's going to do as much as they can to trade him. Yeah. Honestly. Um, so I think he gets traded. As I said, I'd like to see a team like maybe Colorado or even like uh, Columbus... Columbus, who's emerging as uh, much more of a contender than expected. You, you know, Columbus is a really good... And they have a lot of cap space. They can make such a move, I think. Yeah, and Columbus is a team where they would be probably more willing to give up an NHL player as an asset over giving up uh, and picks then, and, and stuff. And add on to that, um, I'd say the Islanders are looking for a forward as well. Be nice um, fit there. I, I heard uh, there's talks of maybe Kyle Palmieri and the Islanders. Yeah, is Kyle Palmieri on this? I don't list? think he's on there. I was looking at it. Kyle Palmieri is not on here, and I don't think... Because he has two years. He has a year left after this. Yeah, but you have a lot of guys with years on here. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not on here, and neither I, is uh, Nemestikov. That, that one's from February 3rd, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we are looking at the February 3rd list. It's February 9th today, so it's been a week. Um, interesting. I think... I, I like your two predictions, and I think he'd be... You know, I think those are really mm-hmm. good options. Um, my pick, and I don't think he ends up here, but I think he'd be a great fit there, would be Edmonton, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because I think... Uh, they're looking at another winger, right? Well, yeah, they've pretty much solidified that second line with Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Nuge. Um, but on the first line, you know, they've been trying a bunch of guys there that haven't really worked. But if you could throw Granlin, McDavid, and, like, Cassian out there... Well, McDavid and Cassian seem like centerpieces of uh, that first line. It's kind of trying to find that third guy who will work well together that's not Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, and I think I think Granlin could be that guy with the skill and speed that he has, um, even as a rental, and then maybe you look at re-signing him. So, who knows there. Um, but I do like your picks of the Islanders and the yeah. and the Blue Jackets. I think those are really good fits. Um, number 15, Josh Manson, Anaheim Ducks. He's got two years left at $4.1 million. Uh, I don't know. I think there's zero chance this guy yeah, gets moved. Yeah. I mean, we heard, I think it was Elliot Friedman in his 31 Thoughts, who said, your wife doesn't love you as much as the Ducks love Josh Manson. <laughs> Which, I mean, we're not married. But, <laughs> I mean, they must really like Josh Manson. Yeah. Um, and and came on, he's he's older than I think a lot of people realize, too. Like, he's only been around a little while, but he is 28. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, if I'm the Ducks, a, a guy like that who... You know, the work ethic and the ability he says, I would probably keep him around. Um, 
especially with a couple of the D prospects they have. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, Alexander Gorgiev. He's going to move, but I think it's going to be a... If, if I were the Rangers, it'd be at the draft. Absolutely. It wouldn't be at the deadline. I think it'd be a monumental mistake to do it at the deadline. I, I And Henrik has another year after this left on his contract. And Jorkins looked very good, too. Presumably, that would be retirement for Lundqvist. Um, the, the only reason that I would see them uh, trading... Gorgiev at the deadline would be if they really want to give Shishorkin a lot more playing time down the stretch. Down here. the stretch, but I just don't see it as being a good idea. I think they could get so much more at the uh, draft because teams will have properly assessed their goalie situation by then. Yeah, and, and it's, and, it's and, like and Gorgiev definitely has number one potential. Yeah, well, the thing is, like you look. Teams that would want him at the deadline would be teams that are in the mix. But and teams that I, are in the I, mix usually have a competent backup. I'm, I, that's why the, the Toronto Toronto being interested in Gorgiev didn't make much sense to me. Because he's an RFA at the end of the, this season, and they'd have, they'd have to pay him. Exactly. Look, when you looked at Gorgiev, it was going to always be a rental for them. I, I think I think Campbell fits much better the needs of Toronto Maple Leafs than Gorgiev did. Absolutely. Because Gorgiev would have been too good to be number two there but would not get any playing time because Anderson's so much better. Yeah. Um, the only like team I could see making a push for him now would maybe be Tampa Bay as a rental if they really need it. That's because they love and they got They got McElhaney during the offseason. Yeah, right? he's been up and down. He's been okay. Um, that's, to me, is the only team I could even remotely see making a move for him. I think you're right. Um, I think he's probably more likely to move at the draft, and the team that I could see going for him at the draft would be the San Jose Sharks. Oh. Because could they ever use some goaltending? Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. What a nice fit. I know, right? Whoa. <laughs> That's just me. That's just I'm throwing that out oh, there. All right. If, uh, if San Jose is listening, he's your guy. He's your guy. He's perfect. Um, that could be there. Because um, there, like, there are other teams that could use a backup. Like I could see Vegas needing a backup for Flurry, and then a guy who could take over eventually. But they don't. I don't think they have the cap room to do it. So for me, my pick is San Jose. San Jose, because San Jose is going to lose a few players this season as well. Although I think San Jose should really should have like, I, I think San Jose's cap is structured quite poorly. It's just kind of all over the place. Um, and then, I mean, and they, they got really unlucky this season because Logan Couture was out for the entire season. Yeah, okay. We are running low on time, so we will um, just quickly run through the last. All right. Um, okay, well, what is it? Janssen and Kapanen from Toronto are 18 and 19. Um, I, I see them you... only moving in a trade for a D in return. And and which one would you move? I, I mean... Here's the thing, you, you trade Kapanen definitely has a higher potential. Yeah, than I Janssen, So I, I, my guess is they would try and they would try with Janssen, but teams might be more in on Kapanen. 
If I was Toronto, I think I'd move Kapanen, to be honest. You're going to get the bigger return for Kapanen. That's I think the sure. bigger return, and there's a lot of times where I don't really see a lot of hockey sense there. I just see kind of a speed and shot. I mean, all, all I think is when, when I think of Kapanen, I think of Kapanen throwing his stick at Jeff Petrie at the beginning of the season and getting a penalty shot penalty shot, and Great eventually play. leading Great to play. his team losing the game. Great play. Um, Love that. Um, yeah, that was weird. And then, wait, so yeah, that's the only two scenarios in which I see, like... It's got to be for it, a D. It's got to be for a D. And and then you got to make the cow. And work. then, who's 20th? 20th Jeff, Jeff Petrie. I don't Jeff think he's Petrie, moving. I don't think he's moving, especially considering Montreal's push right now. Push, and I, I don't see them selling he, off or he, giving I off. think he really likes it in Montreal, so... Yeah, exactly. He's been there a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, And we'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Another shot for the Cats to win it in the seventh round.